Hello, welcome to the Higher Ed Huddle, Hot Off the Press podcast, where we bring you the latest higher ed news and stories twice monthly. I'm Joe Trano, and my co-host is Chase Good. We are with Barry Dunn's Management Information Technology Group, Higher Ed Practice Team. Chase, how are you today? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well. Good, uh, good to see you again. Looking forward to uh, our episode. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about employment and enrollment in higher ed. And I am excited about getting started. So what's the latest that you see? Yeah, Joe. So in terms of higher education employment, there was a recent article from the Chronicle of Higher Ed that described how the labor shortfall in higher education uh, has shrunk substantially since 2020. So in 2020, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported 300,000 job openings across the U.S. in higher higher education. That number has shrunk to 40,000 in 2022. Now, 40,000 is still a lot of jobs, and the most common reason uh, for employees vacating those positions was found to be burnout, increased competition, and wage gaps from the private sector. Dining services were found to have the lowest staffing levels with approximately half of their uh, positions being filled uh, compared to August of 2021. And IT has also been a concern with University University of Miami reporting that they have a quarter of the job applicants compared to before the pandemic. Student affairs staff was all, were also noted uh, to have you know, decreased a little bit. So they found that 39% of student affairs uh, survey responses uh, did not plan to continue working in the field in the next five years. And there's no denying that there's been a turnover spike uh, during 2021, with some instances, uh, with some institutions seeing a 77% increase um, in job openings, uh, specifically thinking about the UNC system. This stands in stark contrast to the article that was posted by Forbes in uh, the fall of 2021, titled The Great Resignation. Forbes described how the higher education job market um, was greatly experiencing, um, you know, more openings more consistently. It was driven, you know, primarily by the pandemic. And they found that 55% of educators and higher ed staff were more likely to re- voluntarily resign or retire early. So the higher ed has seen an increase in, of 17% in job openings since that period. However, the Bureau of Labor Statistics are still indicating that um, in terms of the overall labor shortage in higher ed, it has shrunk quite substantially. Interesting, uh, in- interesting data for sure. I, you know, I often think about with institutions potentially uh, seeing a, a, a downtrend as far as enrollment, um, the, the types of jobs um, that will likely not be uh, required to support the, the higher enrollment numbers, if, if that's part of what we're seeing as part of the trend, you know, maybe we're seeing that trend now um, more, uh, more so. And I think the pandemic may have accelerated that. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens from this point to 2026 if we see more of that uh, decline. Maybe position open positions not being filled because of the anticipation of um, reduced demand and enrollment numbers likely coming down. So it'll be interesting to kind of monitor that. And maybe that's something that we can continue to report on over the next, uh, you know, next year. So yeah. thanks for that. 
Yeah, I think there's going to be or there's going to continue being some dynamic shifts in the higher education labor market. You know, with the with the sharp increase, you know, brought about by the pandemic, followed by this resurgence in in uh, what we're in, in current staffing levels, or at least the closing of those open positions. Um, you know, there's definitely been a lot of changes uh, within the higher ed uh, labor market. But, you know, building off of what you just said in terms of enrollment, so there's been some different enrollment trends across the U.S. that we've, we've seen in the news recently. So, for example, in, in Idaho, uh, the Idaho News uh, recently released an article uh, describing how there's been an influx in enrollment for the class of 2022 and 2023. Boise State University, the University of Idaho, Idaho State, and Lewis and Clark College all noted that they've seen increases in college applicants by about 20% since last year. They noted that this is primarily driven by the tuition uh, rate inc or the tuition rate freeze so that uh, students within the state are no longer having to uh, adjust for increases in tuition uh, up until uh, 2024. So they're expecting that enrollment to continue growing. However, this is in sharp contrast to, you know, many other states which are actually seeing a decline in uh, college applicants. So uh, the state of Colorado noticed a 10% decrease in the number of applicants since last year. And that's our, and they're already operating uh, below the national average. And to your point, there's also a looming enrollment cliff that's coming in 2026. The Woodward uh, re recently reported that the long uh, prolonged enrollment cliff of 2026 is primarily driven um, by the decrease in the population spurred by uh, the 2008 financial crisis. So with uh, fewer um, parents having kids uh, during that time period, and then those kids who are now going to be enrolled in high school and then proceeding to college in 2026, that number was shown to decrease, have decreased by about 15% uh, compared to the years prior. Now, there might, this might be mitigated some uh, by the increase in immigrant um, students who uh, have been who are uh, expected to um, increase their number of applicants by uh, 26 percent um, by 2026. And there's been a larger trend, you know, across the U.S., uh, regardless of the states, in terms of how applicants, uh, how the increase in applicants have both affected the acceptance rates of, of schools as well as their admissions rates. So there was an article posted by the Omaha News that described the top 10 colleges whose enrollment rates have uh, increased where their admissions rates have sharply decreased. Now, these institutions are primarily uh, private four-year colleges or small uh, liberal arts colleges, but some not notable examples included Vanderbilt University, which has seen a 75% decrease in, in acceptance rate and a 12% increase in enrollment. Um, the University of Chicago has seen an 83% decrease in the acceptance rate and a 71% uh, increase in enrollment, and Colorado College has seen a 76% uh, decrease in the acceptance rate and a 14% increase in enrollment. So these, uh, en the enrollment rates at colleges and the acceptance rates that are tied to those can often be affected by a multitude of factors, including the requirements of the institution uh, for those call or for those applicants, you know, whether they're having to pay a fee to submit an application, whether they're trying to target more in-state or out-of-state students with things like tuition freezes and, and really kind of a, a wide range of factors that they're helping bolster their enrollment. 
However, you know, that's not seen across all institutions and some are anticipating the, the sharp enrollment drop off to come sooner rather than later. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting story. And I, you know, I'm, I'm certainly aware that um, higher ed has known about this enrollment cliff for years now. And I, I know that a lot of institutions are looking at ways to increase enrollment in different ways and not just relying on students coming uh, out of high school directly. I know in the community college space, they're looking at developing uh, other programs to, to help um, those that are coming back to school to retrain or find another career. Even during the pandemic, you, you had people switching, uh, switching careers and going back to college to get, get retooled or reskilled. And so I think that's certainly an area from the community college standpoint and helping uh, alleviate uh, the potential for enrollment drops in 2026. Um, so that I think I think the, the larger universities may, you know, the prestigious privates and publics, the larger schools will likely not see as much of, um, I think, uh, a drop, but certainly there may be a reshifting of, um, I think, institutions as enrollments uh, drop in certain areas uh, or impact institutions differently. Maybe the smaller institutions um, will, will not be able to recover uh, as, as a larger institution potentially. And the other thing I'm thinking about is, um, you know, what's going to happen in 2038? So will we see an increase? Uh, because a lot of people are home over the last two years because of the pandemic. And will we see an increase in, um, in high school uh, enrollment uh, or graduation, I should say. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But that, there's a lot to unpack there. There's just a lot of different, um, you know, stories and, and things that are going on uh, in higher ed around enrollment and acceptance rates. And I know that those schools that you rattled off, they're all privates. And so they're able to, to really control their acceptance rates probably a little bit differently than a community college or a public, uh, but certainly, um, you know, very interesting information. So that's good. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, something that we mentioned in, la in the last episode was how higher education institutions are beginning to focus uh, more efforts on retention, as well as kind mm. of boosting their enrollment. So thinking about those initiatives that we mentioned about um, student and employee well-being, how that could both affect employment as well as um, kind of enrollment rates. You know, I think that as institutions start to invest more in the experience that their students and employees have at the at the university, you know, they're going to see the benefits pay off uh, moving forward. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it's, I think it's easier to, to put energy towards retention policies and procedures and strategies versus trying to, trying, trying to get new students, I think, uh, takes, takes more effort. Um, and certainly, once you have a student, you know, you know, making sure that you can retain them and help them graduate and be successful um, or maybe not, you know, from a community college standpoint, maybe graduation isn't the goal, but maybe getting a certificate, for example, uh, or getting some additional skills. Um, and I think that's important. I think uh, all, all the different types of institutions play a role in higher ed. And I, I like that point that you made. Uh, I think certainly um, the remote aspect is something that we've seen a growth and institutions have pivoted to provide more uh, programs online for students, you know, really 
meeting that demand or meeting those needs, I think is going to help institutions as well, because that is just, um, you know, we're seeing more of an increase in, in learning that way. And those institutions that are able to provide that will, will certainly um, do well. And um, yeah, so I think uh, we've seen a lot of change, that's for sure. And we'll likely see more change going forward. Absolutely. And I think that change is going to be much broader than just, uh, you know, focusing on enrollment or employment trends. And, you know, something that I hope we can really get into next week is some of the emerging technology trends that are shaping higher education, the growth of, you know, cloud computing across, um, you know, colleges and universities, and really some of those emerging developments that are kind of helping institutions prepare for, um, you know, unique and, and innovative learning experiences uh, in the future. I think that's great. And I, I'm kind of excited about hearing more about that. So thank you, uh, Chase. I look forward to our next episode in two weeks. Um, for our listeners, if you wish to read more about these new news items, please refer to our show notes for links to these stories. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google. Check back in two weeks for more higher ed news and stories. Until then, stay well. Stay well.